I'm Matthew McCleary. And I'm Mitchell McCleary. And this is Movies While They Sleep. The podcast from two brothers who watch movies and talk about them after their families have gone to bed. Welcome to today's episode in which we watched the latest offering from Robert Eggers, The Northman, now in theaters and starring Alexander Skarsgård as a crazed Icelandic revenge-seeking warrior. Okay, well, why don't we cut to our conversation that is about to happen? Let's jump in, sleepyheads. Did you like the movie? You know what the funniest moment of the movie was? You just get through, not three hours, but, you know, two and a half hour Viking, masculine, some might say toxic masculine, energy, epic fight for your kingdom fight for your family bloodthirsty just chaos and it goes to black and we hear we we the 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 ceasing of the viking haunting you know chants in the back that cuts and it's just quiet in the theater and in unison you hear a chorus of (laughs) do you know what that noise is what that's the noise of 30 recliner chairs being <laughs> repositioned <laughs> into their upright position so that a the theater of Wally people, myself included, are able to get up and walk out with our quarter of a bag of popcorn and watery ices. <laughs> We're able to properly stand, gather our snacks, and <laughs> walk out into the daylight. <laughs> I don't know why, but in that in that movie specifically, those recliner buzzings were so much louder than normal. <laughs> Oh wow, that really <laughs> <laughs> It's just like honor and legacy <laughs> and destiny and fate. <laughs> <laughs> well, you wanna stop by five guys on the way home or <laughs> there's also a Chipotle name. How about you go to Chipotle, I'll go to five guys. That, w- that way we can both get what we want. <laughs> oh, it's so yeah, it's so true. <laughs> what is? Uh, I mean, everything you said. <laughs> I, I, I am also like I like to sit, and and maybe it's a contrarian in me, of like mm. I mean, p- partly I do genuinely like to like sit and enjoy the credits a little bit, right? Especially a movie like this, bask um, in what you've experienced. Yeah, but this was crazy. So in my theater. I mean, it hit, it fade to black, and before it said directed by Robert Eggers, it was like somebody, it was no fader, it was like somebody just flipped the light switch, and they were, boom, they were on. <laughs> like, this isn't Marvel, there's no scene waiting for me at the end. I mean, they just flipped the light switch, it was bright, um, and then it said oh, directed by Oh, the theater by flipped the switch, Oh, yes, too. The, the theater light switch. Oh wow! Um, no fading the lights back on, and it, it dragged right Robert Eggers. Okay, great, um, and everybody's like out of there. I mean, now I went to a late showing, so it was like one a.m. But everybody was like out of there. Wow! And that is a late showing. And I was like, uh, you know, I like to sit, and everybody's like shuffling past and annoyed that my feet are still up. <laughs> oh, I got so many good moments in this theater experience. <laughs> I I just have to kick off a, a few. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a scene where, uh, wh- what's our main character's name? You you Amleth 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 and what's his what's the love interest? Olga. Amleth and Olga are discussing their plot, and uh, what well, you know we'll get into spoilers later. But she uh, hands him or 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 yeah she she gives him a faded earth mushroom. That is going to have some sort of uh, mystical, you know, enchantments mm-hmm. to help them in their their quest for revenge. And he opens his hand, you know, sees the mushroom, 
and music intensifies, cut scene, we go to the next scene, right? Yeah. But right at that cut is one of the, I think it's one of those chapter breaks where it fades to black and then like slowly type comes on that says, you know, next location. So right when it cuts to black, the guy next to me says to whoever he's with, what was that? (laughs) And this guy did this probably 10 times in this movie. No. <laughs> Although it, sometimes it was, well, that was weird. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like Bjork would be talking and showing his class. <laughs> and he'd literally say, like, and it's dead silent in the theater. That was weird. <laughs> oh my god. Or, who was that? Jeez. Oh, <laughs> so, <sighs> lots, of, lots of just choice. And then in between that, he was just like, (laughs) (laughs) coughing up a COVID storm. (laughs) I just like, theaters are back, baby. Gosh, I was looking around the theater at multiple points. And again, I went to a 1030 show, but at many points during the movie, there were just like girlfriends dead asleep (laughs) next to their boyfriends (laughs) that dragged them to this movie. (laughs) Why did you take me here? Is this what you want to be? <laughs> but yeah, overall. <laughs> overall, great experience. Great movie. Um, no, I, uh, I don't know if you want to give a little bit of context on the Robert Eggers. Uh, so this is his third. Yeah, let's, we're um, officially getting into yeah. it. <laughs> this is his third movie uh, after The Witch and The Lighthouse. And he has definitely been making for himself a reputation of kind of this very particular uh, kind of auteur of period pieces um, with some fantasy elements, but kind of still grounded in some amount of realism, right? I think that's probably descriptive of all, all three of these. <clears throat> right. And 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 he is obsessive about the details. He's obsessive about period specific and accurate details. Um and in even you listen to him in an interview and he's like seems a little annoyed that he couldn't have all of the actors speaking like, you know, ninth century Icelandic or whatever it is for the entire right. movie. Uh Norse. Yeah. Yeah, and he seems a little annoyed that they're just speaking English. Um, and so he's, he's definitely has this... He's an absolute historical purist. Yeah, to the point where in an interview recently he was asked if he would ever make a movie set in the present day, and he kind of scoffed and said, no, completely uninterested, no thank you. <laughs> um, right. But I, I really like The Witch. I think it's a really strong debut and a really kind of it's it's got a vibe um and the lighthouse is one that i more respect than love i don't but i think you really like the lighthouse no i i liked it i didn't like it as much as i thought i would but i also just saw it once and i feel like i would like it a lot more with subtitles at home yeah because it is a pretty difficult movie to understand yeah um but to me because again he's so true to oh yeah the language yes like in in the lighthouse it's all like kind of the new turn of the century new england dialects of english that's what in terms of phrases and slang and all of that i mean it's and same thing with um the witch because it takes place in the 16th century or 17th century new england and it was interesting to me because actually because the northman is definitely his most accessible movie right um Mm. Uh, of the three uh, and the most that feels kind of reflective of um, you know just bigger budget action kind of historical epics right and right. it's Same still for a wider it, mainstream audience could yeah, yeah. be palatable yeah but and even it, then and it's still a very um, strange in a lot of times movie but you know I think I think going to this source material, the Amleth, you know, it's it is basically supposedly the the, the this is the story that that Shakespeare based Hamlet on, um, and I think going to that as this kind of just straight up revenge plot kind of thing, it really serves the movie well, um, and 
and then he gets all of this weirdness mixed in it like bjork's one scene which is a whole lot of fun um and very strange like the mysticism <clears throat> yeah. that's mixed in with the historical accuracy yeah where you're yeah, not they, quite sure where the line is i'm i'm very interested in I, I was very fascinated by like religion's role in this movie and that's something that he's played with in the past especially in the witch mm-hmm. um which deals with like religious fanaticism of the puritans in new england um, but this one the way that religion is 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 used by different characters for different purposes and the way that they talk about it. Um, All of that I think was so well done and that's what really elevates it to me above most versions of this, right? What I imagine the Vikings TV show on the History Channel that a lot of people seem to really like is like, but again, I've never seen an episode, so. Disclaimer, it might be amazing. Neither of us have seen it. Sure. I I guess like a, um, a movie I was thinking about and I haven't seen in a long time and maybe it's not fair to compare it, but like I was thinking, why there aren't more? Like, why doesn't this movie already exist? Mm. You know, mm-hmm. like a mm-hmm. really amazing Viking epic. And I was picturing like, uh, like do you, do you remember the Robin Hood from the Russell like, Crowe Robin Hood? Yeah. yeah, yeah, from like ten years ago, where it feels like that would be the um, uh, like the Northman would kind of be a similar adjacent goal yeah. of like let's do an epic Robin Hood yeah. tale, but for some reason it just falls flat. Yeah, even like. Who directed that? Was it Ridley Scott? It's Ridley Scott. Yeah, you, you'd think... Okay, even The Last Duel kind of like yeah. is in this vein as well, but yeah. I'm so much more drawn to what the Northman is interested yeah. in and how it's portrayed than both Robin Hood and The Last Duel. Yes. Um, Robin Hood is a movie that doesn't work well for me, and it's so interesting you brought that movie up because if, you've been, if you follow me on Letterboxd, you will have noticed I have been on a Russell Crowe thing the last two weeks. You're all about Russell Crowe right now. And I got to tell you, this guy is so good. And he has this charming charisma, effortless charisma. And I just, I am so taken by this. Now, I'll talk, we'll talk about this in our segments, but... Um, have you watched The Nice Guys yet? No. Is it great? Ho, ho, ho. You're going to be oh, very, man. And very I'm pleased. watching, I've got a Ryan Gosling movie on right now, too. <laughs> while we record this. Yeah, while we record That's this. That's how many movies Matthew watched. We're recording no. podcasts about a movie. He's watching another movie during. Now that I've moved my recordings to in front of the TV, it's nice to have it on. And it helps with the zoom, with the lighting sometimes, but this movie doesn't have a lot of light, I guess. Um, the Robin Hood movie doesn't work for me, and I do think it's part of, partly what eggers is interested in like he he is certainly interested in telling the revenge story and getting across those themes but then Mm -hmm. i think i think he also is interested in using it to explore his own curiosities Mm -hmm. and that is something that i appreciate because it gives the movie a lot more layered and rich rich text right than just what do you think he's interested in in this movie i think he's i think uh, 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 other than like displaying his uh you know his prowess with historical accuracy and obviously like he's just a good he's just good at making movies yeah i mean so so one of these sub themes that i recognize and i I mentioned this too but it's the role of religion right and Mm -hmm. and so there part of it is the 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 way that these kings and princes and warriors see themselves as fulfilling something religious right Mm -hmm. fulfilling the some sort of narrative storyline of their their uh, fate of their of their you know of their mythology basically um and how that is connected to fate right we see the scene where he's taken up by a valkyrie um and and it's like this wild weird strange moment but that's how he sees himself and he sees that his his own revenge is not just a revenge, but is actually fated by the halls of Valhalla. Right? Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. That has ripple effects throughout different universes, even. Yeah, and then the way that Amleth kind of uses religion as a way to drive his uncle mad um, by causing terror in their village in Iceland. And mm. the uncle's initial response then is they tried to sacrifice like a woman to right. to their god, which is different than his brother's god that he you know, um, and and there's this 
it, it feels like a throwaway line, but I actually am kind of utterly fascinated by it. Um, somebody in his village says to the uncle Fjolnor, um, May, uh, do you think it could be Christian spies, right? And this is like mm-hmm. 9th century AD. And Fjolnor is like so disgusted by the idea of Christians. And he's like, they are, they worship a God who's dead on a tree. And that, but that's like, seems to be the only thing he knows about it. Mm-hmm. And that is enough to dismiss the entirety of the religion. And, right. and, and, and for him probably is a statement of weakness of the religion of uselessness of it. Um, mm-hmm. And, and how for him, what is useful is, is this, is this God that he can sacrifice a human to for the protection of his village. But Amleth is the terror. It's not Odin. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, anything Christian like spies. that. <clears throat> it's not Christian spies. It's, it's a, it's man. It's this like undercurrent, right? I, I mean, I don't think, I, I don't think you'll, I don't think you miss it if, if you, if you're not looking for it. I think it's definitely there in the text of the movie. Um, but there, the, I think that thread is all all throughout, and, and I think Eggers is really interested in that because I think that plays into certainly what's happening in the witch, and even the lighthouse to a certain extent. Yeah, it's interesting because there's that part of the movie where, like, he's okay with the idea of like if we make a sacrifice, maybe that'll appease this god. Yeah. But then he he sees some of the handiwork of Amleth, yeah, which is horrifying. Yes. Upside down guy <clears throat> hanging from a tree, yeah, murdered. And he's and they're talking about it like and someone asks, is this like is this our God who's trying yeah. to, you know, yes. curse us or show that we're in the wrong or something? I don't know. But he says, this is not the work of my God. Yeah. And it's interesting that he, he can hold those two thoughts of like, yes. I can I can set someone on fire as a as an offering. But for me to see someone hanging yeah. upside down murdered is there's no way my God would do this. Yeah. And it is so much Lots of, of contradicting the, beliefs being held yeah, at the same time. The, the, the paradoxes of a lot of a lot of religious practices, um, right? And and how futile a lot of that is, right? And and for and for me, uh, you know, who I am as as a Christian and a, and a pastor coming at this, I'm kind of I'm I'm like extra interested in it, right? Obviously, I've like a, this. Um, sensitivity to it and i'm fascinated by the dismissal of christianity by this guy in the Mm -hmm. film um as this kind of like as this weak religion when what he's doing is literally trying to kill people in his own village to appease a god right it's 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 endlessly interesting to me and at the end the big showdown at the end like they 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 encounter one another amleth and his uncle and, and and it's like we're not gonna fight here we'll fight at the gates of hell which is not just some like cool line in an action movie. It's not actually right. played like that. Like that's how it would be in a lesser movie. I'll see you in hell. And then right. they're fighting on a volcano. Um, <clears throat> like that volcano, that's what that was. Like right. it, it literally represented the physical manifestation of hell on earth right. for, for this people. Um, and so it's, I mean, it's all the way through the movie and and everything is amazing to look at. Yeah, it kind of reminded me of Kill Bill in that moment where it's like, no, 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 like, yeah, we're gonna do this at sunrise, yeah, like, with like, yes. you know, dressed as ninjas, we're gonna do this properly. Yeah, you know, of course they don't Kill Bill, but yeah, yeah, there, there's like a, a strange respect for the the death that's going to fall yeah. for them. And, I mean, that's Amleth. The whole story is. And even his dad, the king, needing to die in battle and not just some lowly of old mm-hmm. age, mm-hmm. but that it is a dishonor to just, you know, not be slain, basically. Yeah. Which, and there's kind of goes into some self-sacrifice stuff. And there's, I mean, for Amleth, at least, there's, like, nothing that could stop him. Like, you know, he's he is on his way out. He's literally on a boat escaping with his basically his his new bride who she's just revealed that she's pregnant and that should be enough for him but to call it to call it quits, to, yeah just, yeah yeah and he he cannot do it because there's yeah. too much dishonor in that 
Well, talk to me about that part because part of what is early on said in the movie with Bjork's character is saying you have to choose between revenge for your enemy and kindness for your kin. Yeah. Uh, and he says, I'm, t- I'm choosing both. Yeah. Like, I, I don't understand that. Like, like see, I, I see, was I think, interested in, <clears throat> in the fate stuff with this, but I think some of it didn't land quite right for me. See, I'm, I think when, when she says that, mm-hmm. where my mind goes at that point in the movie is, oh, this is a, his choice is going to be between the saving his mother and avenging his father, right? He can't mm-hmm. have both those things. The, these two things that he's sworn to do, I'll mm-hmm. avenge you, father, I'll save you, mother, at that point in the movie, I'm thinking he has to pick between these two. And and I, and I think the movie almost invites you in to make that conclusion. Um, because you don't know about the girlfriend. You don't know that right. that's where it's going. And But then that's the shift. And so I wonder if he's sitting there on the boat remembering what she has said and knowing, oh, this is the decision. And knowing at that point that he actually can't do both. And, and maybe he sees it as a kindness to get them out, send them on their way. Right to leave in that moment, maybe he sees that as a kindness, mm-hmm. um, but but that's what that I think ends up being about. I almost wish there was some like richer irony with uh, his choices in the end, because it it is pretty much on a uh, like there's still like lots of interesting and and twists and turns in terms of plot along the way, but they do set it up like. I'm going to get revenge and that's just what I'm going to do. And that's what he does, you know, but isn't the irony in the relationship with his mother? Um, I don't know. I kind of, I, I guess after that scene where it's kind of revealed that she was partly to blame or was nefarious in the, planning and that of his, it. and that his, his own father was, not a great husband to her right right i mean branded her right according to her story i wasn't sure what to believe i don't know like like maybe i didn't feel the weight of his um affection towards his mother yeah you know yeah i i mean i get that i, I mean I'm, he kills her so <laughs> yeah oh jeez. Um, and he seems to not mind too much because of the revenge needing to quench the revenge thirst yeah yes i was gonna say i think part part of the irony is you know he he wants to save his mother but she doesn't need saving and right and and that's this so like singly focused sworn oath that he has made for 25 30 years of his life and mm-hmm. and and it's fundamentally not what the reality of the situation was um, right, and 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 I think I think that is this affecting thing for him. I don't think I don't think him killing her affects him as much as him feeling betrayed by her affects him. Right. Um. And and it's it's not enough that that's over. He has to he has to follow through on the whole piece of it. Um. It, I I find the whole thing very interesting because it's almost like this, you know this this from an economic standpoint of like the sunk cost fallacy, right? Like he, he, he's, I have to avenge my father. I'm saving my mother. I'll kill my uncle. And he finds out that his like dad was not a good guy and that his mother does not need saving. And, 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 but, but it's almost like the, why does he need that? Why does he need to follow through? Like, is it right. is it honor? Is it just that I've, I'm too deep in this? This has been yeah. this has been my my single commitment for so much of my life. Yeah, I mean, I would imagine it's the same thing ideologically for people, whether mm-hmm. it be politics or religion or whatever it is, where or sticking with Dogecoin, or sticking with Dogecoin. Um, shout out those who are faithful, <laughs> diamond hands all the way, where. Yeah, you're too. Uh, it it would mean you having to walk back too far to to even like entertain the possibilities of your journey not being the ultimate. Yeah. Story for your life. Yeah. Uh, aside from uh, wanting to feel the weight of some of the ideas about fate a little bit more, mm-hmm. um, I, I was I was just very happy with this movie. Yeah. 
yeah, t- I felt I feel like there's some plot things that are a little messy. Now, what I, what I really felt, and I felt this watching the movie, mm-hmm. and I, I don't know, I, I I knew this going into it, so I think this affected the way I viewed it. But I I had heard that Robert Eggers did not get final cut as a director, right. and. And and there were moments of like, oh, this is like a weird editing choice, like a jump from one scene to the next that didn't. It was like, oh, that there somebody somebody got their hands on this and is trying to shoehorn something in here, mm-hmm. and and I cannot remember what it was specifically, but there were particular moments that felt like that, and I am like so ready for the Robert Eggers Criterion director's cut, three and a half hours, like. He hasn't gotten a Criterion yet. No. No, it's just interesting. He kind of deserves one. Um, one. But I love the director's cut of this. Of like, yeah. l- let him get his hands on this. And, and, and really like, you know, because I wonder how much of the stuff that doesn't work is plot stuff that was added or shoehorned in. Or there was plot stuff that was cut that fleshes out these things a little bit more. Um, right. But either way, all that aside, that's not why I was there for the movie. The the movie's like this weird visual feast of... Yeah. It's a really good Every frame. Every frame is so beautiful. That's what's so fun about it is that these types of epics usually don't look this good. No. Or like, you know, Viking, Renaissance. Yeah. uh, Knight's Tale. You know, they don't look this good. This feels so unique and so so accurate. I mean, what do I know? But whatever. (laughs) It, It... really is amazing that we got this and the green knight back-to-back years yeah very adjacent Um, yeah feeling and and the action in this movie is so good oh yeah i i I saw people on letterboxd or on twitter complaining that it wasn't that they should have had a a one more traditional action set piece in this movie and that otherwise it sucked and i'm like i'm not sure what you were watching but Right. There are sequence in, sequences in this that I was totally blown away by. Because that are absolutely brutal. That are brutal. It's total like action movie through and through. I cannot find the stunt double. <laughs> I, I I haven't. You know what? What's your what's your typical successful action movie look like in twenty twenty one? You know, because I, I I just don't know if I'm just not used to the attention span difference. Mm, yeah. I mean, like I've heard lots of people say this is pretty slow. Oh my gosh. And I, I just don't get it. That. Yeah. But well, it's like the average action movie, you know, the rock scaling, you know, a skyscraper and there's a jump cut every couple seconds. I mean, that's what I think it is. I think, I think you're having, you're, you're cutting. I mean, the average length of a shot in an action sequence has got to be minuscule, minuscule where Eggers does these long oneers that are. And so I remember saying a lot of interviews, he used one camera or one. Oh my gosh. One setup. Like it's all one. I mean, so many one takes and, and, and emblematic of that is my favorite, maybe my favorite sequence in the movie, which is that first village raid in, right. You know, I, I guess, Russia, Ukraine, wherever they are in Eastern Europe. Absolutely terrifying. Oh my gosh. And it's like this long one shot at the beginning that is mm-hmm. incredible. Starts with him climbing barricaded fortress wall with an axe. And, and it's, it's all it, one it, shot. It, it's all one shot. It, it, it was feel like Wes Anderson the way it was moving. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's I, like this is Wes Anderson if he directed yeah. like insanely gory action movies. Remind me of Alfonso Cuaron as well in like Children mm-hmm. of Men, the way he stages action in that movie. Yeah. Um, the camera, like really a lot of movement in in these sequences, which is really fun for me. I was so impressed, and and I and I just think that the the, the kind of modern version of an action movie is so much different. Now, that being said, like it's May we record this, and like. Top Gun Maverick is coming out this month, mm-hmm. and that I good. cannot wait. Have you watched the little featurette that was going around of Tom Cruise making all the actors like go through flight school 
and then he taught them cinematography because they're actually in fighter jets and mm. nobody else could be in there with them to film themselves so they had right. to like do all the camera setups in the jets as they were shooting sequences with their you know the the, the professional co-pilot is you know piloting these things i mean that that's to, to me it's it's like what are we doing at this point like this what is mean? what do you mean like this doesn't feel like a movie anymore <laughs> right this is in the traditional sense experiment. this is just like we're putting actors in in fighter jets and flying them around like this is what <laughs> they're able i mean it's incredible and his commitment to doing it at least on some level practically obviously there's going to be a ton of cg in right. this movie um and and there is in the northman there's tons of special effects in this movie but right it's subtle um and 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 Cruz's commitment to do it in some way in a practical way is absolutely incredible yeah. to me which is what i found really refreshing about the northman um yeah there's, there's a practicality respect. about it <laughs> this thing i know we bring it up a lot but there's this uh video of dr strange going around on twitter right now where it's it's tracking like a crowd running behind him as he like does his hand motions to deal with the tentacle monster. Yeah, and it's the same extra that runs past him like six times, uh, and he's doing different hand motions, different things. It's like the guy should be like a mile down the road, but it's yeah. just because they just keep redoing it. But they didn't have the like like thoughtfulness to like, hey, don't have the same guy do it. You know, it, uh, it was kind of making the rounds on twitter but uh, you know stuff like that i'm not going to necessarily notice yeah in, in the theater but like a bunch of little decisions like that in a movie really add up to you feeling the weight of hey maybe there's not a lot of care going into this yeah versus the thousand little decisions that eggers makes to like meet with the world's top viking historians and make sure that a wood carving on a boat and that the boat itself is built a hundred percent accurate down to the type of nails that they use. You know, I know. I, I know. again, I'm, I'm never going to notice that or be aware of that during the movie, but maybe a thousand little decisions like that you add feel up it. to a more enriching experience. Yeah, I totally agree. And that was my, that was my big takeaway from the Northmen was impressed, but not detached impress, impressiveness. Yeah. I, I was like, I was fully engaged. I was fully in it. And to me, it just felt like, so I watched, I'm just going to share it now by point of comparison. So day before I saw the Northmen, I happened to watch Master and Commander, the far side of the far side of the world. Have you ever seen this? No. This is Russell Crowe, Paul Bettany. They're on like a tall ship, part of the British Royal Navy. And they're basically chasing, it's like during the French Napoleonic Wars yeah, and they're chasing a French fighter ship uh, around Brazil, around South America, and the movie's amazing. I mean, it, it is amazing. It's all on these boats. the 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 technical achievement is incredible. Um, it, it's a shame that it came out the same year as Pirates of the Caribbean, the first one. Um, Sky overshadowed. Yeah, yeah, because there's no like zombie pirates in this one. Um, right. It's so good, and and I was just it 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 was funny that I watched it right before I watched The Northman because I felt a connective tissue of a commitment to realism, a mm-hmm. commitment to hey hey like everything we're watching like as accurately as we can. This is how they would have done this, right? Um, and just this large scale, and it I think probably got a criticism of like this is not an exciting action movie, and I'm watching this like this is amazing. And, um, and then the other, then the movie I watched later that weekend, I I rewatched Gladiator for the first time in probably a decade, which was, it was a movie I never had a lot of strong feelings positively for. Mm -hmm. It just didn't do a lot for me. And I, I was more impressed this time, but I was, it it still left me wanting more that the Northman was giving me. (laughs) Right. And and it's funny because the action sequence in Gladiator, I think, are so good because they're like in the Coliseum and there's a real level of practicality and realism. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot in that movie that I'm just like, what? What is this here for? And and it does not feel as as caring about its subject or its setting or any of that. Um, yeah. And so I, I don't know. It's just an interesting to compare these things. My my really positive feelings are about these movies that have such care and attention to detail. Yeah, it's that combined with genuine like it's fun oh yeah like it's a fun action movie yeah but there's a richness to the text as well yeah you can have both (laughs) and yeah you know it's so rare i get like i'm jumping the gun but i give it four and a half stars because i'm just thankful that it exists yeah yeah you know Uh, because yeah i was i was gonna get four and then i was like you know when do i get something like this when do i get something that's a it's a it's its own story kind of it's not looking to be franchised it's like all action just brutal insane fun action a visual feast and uh yeah it's interesting some stuff there's some ideas to kick around yeah i read one review in which the reviewer wrote something about rolling his eyes about the fact that the character's name was amleth which is an anagram anagram for hamlet and right. how like cliched and unoriginal and i was like dude like amleth was the guy's name like right. and like, i think it, it suggested that hamlet was based off this story did you yeah, know that yes yes exactly yeah. exactly yeah exactly hamlet is based on this norse ancient folk viking tale. tale yeah and the, the reviewer the, has no idea and and it seemed and it seems like the reviewer was like well, i couldn't come up with a more creative name than Hamlet. It's just an anagram for Hamlet, and obviously it's just a Hamlet ripoff. And I'm like, dude, how do you not know what's happening? Like, right, exactly. It's it wild to me. Don't uh, they know that Simba is just Swahili for lion? <laughs> they, I think they could have come up with a more unique name for that. And don't they realize that that the Lion King is basically just Hamlet, like, but with lions? <laughs> oh my gosh! It's kind of uh, like there's only like what ten stories ever. Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it, it, and I was, like, so unimpressed by that criticism. And, and that's, I, like, the, the movie's getting really positive reviews. Um, but, like, just some weird, like... And this this was also a guy who was pretty lukewarm on everything, everywhere, all at once. Um, so, I don't know if he's just been in a mood recently. Anything else you want to talk about with The Northman? I need to watch more Skarsgård movies. My God. Yeah, he's so good, isn't he? He was fantastic. Oh my gosh, isn't isn't he so good in Succession? Yeah, I know. I, I was like, this is all universe Succession, and oh he's gosh. coming for the Roy family. Oh my gosh, it's so funny too, because because now watching those Succession episodes, I'm like, oh, that's why he was so built for Succession. Like, oh yeah, yeah. He, he, he's he's like, I mean, I mean, he is a big guy, but like, he was definitely like in his like training process for this when he was filming that stuff and you it's can funny tell seeing him next to robert eggers because he's a bit of a little guy uh-huh it's just like <laughs> that's my viking oh it's wild uh yeah he's so good i think alexander skarsgård is so good i loved uh Anya taylor joy uh oh yeah yeah she's she was fantastic. And I know she's like super restrained performance, I feel like. Yeah, and she's like super or, popular or, or I should say super mature performance. Yeah. That was my takeaway exactly. I was like, man, this girl and, and like everybody's known it. People love her this last 2 years with everything she's doing, but I just I had this moment during this movie. I'm like, ah, oh, she's going to be doing this for a long time. Right. She really going to work. Big... I'm just hoping to make some money cuz it costs a lot to make. Oh, I know, I know. Because I want Eggers to get more stuff like this, but I know, I, and it's, I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, boy, he got a really big budget and he put every single dollar on screen for you to see. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, I, and I want him to be able to get budgets like that to continue to do that. I don't think it's gonna make it. I, I know. I, I think know. it's made like forty million dollars and it costs like. Between seventy and eighty, seventy and ninety. I was just looking at it I, just before we got on the call. I want to pull it up and see. I've got box office mojo up. Um, the Northmen. Oh man, it's worldwide is only forty. Oh jeez, exactly. that's rough. Y'all go watch this movie. <laughs> it's very. It's better oh. than everything that's out right now. Oh 
my gosh. You know, it's, uh, it's one of those weird seasons for people like us that complain that there's nothing new or non-franchise related in Hollywood. And, like, it's everything that's out right now is that. And now that's soon to be eclipsed when Doctor Strange opens in a billion theaters uh, this I weekend. Know. But Well, that yeah, when I was at the theater, I was just, like, seeing what else. It's, like, Sonic 2. Yeah. Uh, everything everywhere had, like, one showing, you yeah. know? But just all this stuff that makes the me Nick sad Cage movie, it makes so much more, and it's gonna perpetuate more of that that stuff than yeah. instead of perpetuating more Northmen. But yeah, again, going back to the chairs, I just love that at the end, you're just stirred towards some sort of greatness in your life and being oh, uncompromised to that, and you just get that chorus of chairs ready to be wheeled home in our self-driving cars segments let's do it let's jump in okay we actually have beverages this evening mm-hmm. you, you hear that you hear that audience what do we got what are we sipping on i just made some uh, fresh bubbled soda stream water uh, is the soda stream not the greatest gift you can give yourself it's it's in the year of our Lord, 2022. It, it is incredible. It's the small things, you know. Truly, this is excuse me, a damn fine couple of segments. Truly, uh, speaking of small things, White Russian over here, a rare beverage. You left. I don't know if really I really channeling, uh, channeling the dude. Well, I'm channeling the dude. <clears throat> I'm I'm on my Cohen brothers kick right now gosh how good is inside lewin davis did you i i was horrified at how good it was i was like no one told me this is like the funniest movie ever made now had you seen it before i i saw it in college but it it in my head was kind of a slower you know indie movie sort of vibe and then rewatched it i'm like wow this is so good oh it's never slow it's never boring it's so funny like it's it's like a series of short stories that i would like want to write in college or something so good uh freaking john goodman are you kidding me Mm. (laughs) it's one of the best characters uh, it's pro- it's in his top five performances of all time. Oh my gosh! Yes, the noises. Carrie Mulligan, this character, it, it's it's so underrated, criminally underrated. <clears throat> Coen Brothers offering. I feel like a lot of their stuff is like that. It's like no one's talking about this. I agree. Well, you know, I I think I've talked plenty about how how much I love Hail Caesar on this podcast, and you've never seen this. No, no. And it's then, so good. Well, you you love Hail Caesar, and then do you love um, Brother Where Art Thou? Um, I do. It's not one of my favorites, but it was okay. like but the, it's like the most charming Coen Brothers. You also sing the Barton Fink gospel. Oh, Barton Fink is Pray. amazing, and John you Goodman. You sing the Barton Fink praises. And John Goodman is so good in Barton Fink. Crazy, crazy, Barton. I wonder if all five of his top five performances are Coen Brothers. <sighs> Because the dude has to be in there, and that's why the White Russian. One, because I'm very sleepy tonight. We're both. You have two kids. You know, really My quick. second kid. Uh, okay. uh, the Big Lebowski thing. It's a movie that doesn't really work for me, if I'm being honest. Really? And when was the last time you rewatched it, though? Last year. And okay. And it, I just, I don't, I don't know. I, it's just, it's. It's just so funny. But, but, you know, that punchline at the end when John Goodman opens up that can of Folgers full of the ashes, it's it may be one of the funniest single moments in a movie. Like, it's the best – it's one of the best gags. It's, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely iconic. But uh, that nonchalant attitude is is me when politics happen. <laughs> hey, well, that's just like your opinion, man. <laughs> but uh, – yeah, so I'm rocking with it tonight. Think. Okay, I know exactly my favorite shot. Yeah, tell me. It is the moment when his uncle discovers his slain family members, and he's in the doorway of this hut. Mm. And you can see him 
just on in the door frame, mm-hmm. lit by a fire. His son is down on the ground to mm-hmm. his right, and Nicole Kidman's on his left. But it's, I I was like, oh, yeah, took my breath away in the theater. How perfect the shot was, and yeah. how much was going on in it, and how beautiful and yeah. horrific it was at the same time. It yeah. Reminded me of a Caravaggio painting. Yeah, uh, and I like the second it happened, I was like, that's my favorite shot. That's oh, insane. Man. Good for you. Do you remember that moment? I know exactly the moment you're talking about. It's Hell so yeah. it is so um, striking. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I would say that my favorite shot, uh, because I don't. It's hard with movies that are like in theaters, and it's hard to go. Oh yeah, go yeah. Back, you know. You don't really want to be thinking about it the whole time and, you're watching. Yeah, like, I don't is that my favorite shot? Is yeah. that my favorite? So I think I think I'm just gonna go with like that one take at the beginning of that raid. Um, mm. it's both impressive but I also just think like visually it's so wild and like coming it, through the fog and then their wolf suits like uh, it's all the so spear great. grab and I throwback know. oh yeah what a great moment um, it's such a bummer that we can't really share that much of the stuff on I know. our Instagram with movie theaters yeah oh by the way really annoying Netflix now and I think HBO too they don't allow you to screenshot anymore. Yeah. So I can't even do that. Because before, like, I would just go power the dog on Netflix and search out the the moments that we talk about. And they're like, sorry, we don't want you talking about our IP. I know. It's so it's like, dumb. It's so dumb. It's like, yeah. hey, maybe people, like, making memes about your movies helps the movies get seen more. It's, it's, I mean, it's just really wild. I, I was going to say, my second favorite shot is... Uh, when we first meet him as an adult and mm-hmm. it's uh that the like forest and the river mm-hmm. and the, mm-hmm. there's like a opening in it and the boat goes by and mm-hmm. then it g- hops on the, oh, the camera man. moves forward hops it's on the boat. such a good shot it, it's insane it was like all of a sudden like barry linden vibes in this like gross mud covered movie i had the same thought about how great that that movement was oh my yeah. gosh it's crazy anyway letterbox review yeah i I gave it four and a half stars, um, and I didn't. I didn't say anything. I, don't, I probably don't have much more to say other than I love that this exists. It's yeah. it's one of the things I'm thinking, thinking a lot about. Like, what's my scale? You know, how do I do these things? And so much of it is just gut feeling after I watch it. Yeah, and and so it's like, you know, Gladiator. I gave four stars, but that's like people think. You know, people herald that as like this this great classic of this. I'm like, yeah, whatever. It doesn't super do it for me. But if right. I was my age and I watched Gladiator in a theater for the first time, it would be different. So it's just my experience with it, and I'm just so glad it exists. Yeah. Yeah, same. I mean, I kind of talked about it earlier, four and a half. Yeah. Just very happy that stuff like that freaking Eggers could get the budget to do something like this. It's pretty cool. Oh, and yeah. It, also simultaneously depresses me that i have to point that out i know so yeah but all right uh unsung hero unsung hero um it's tough low-key ethan hawk he gets such a short small role in this thing ethan hawk is so good he's fantastic he he does a really great job of being mufasa of like convincing me that he's really close with his son yeah and therefore that carries me throughout the film of like i want him to be avenged yeah um unsung hero for me i gotta go with two similar characters Mm -hmm. i'm gonna go with bjork as the crs because she's amazing i needed subtitles for her she was a little whispery oh man it was so good and uh similarly the he witch who does the narration at the beginning um and who, oh yeah 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 is he the one that's doing the like ritual with them around the mm-hmm. fire and like mm-hmm. okay. i believe so yeah yeah he's um, great and i just with, like this the is eyes like, rolling back in his head it, it's the eyes and it's that narrator voice in this is like yeah. pitch perfect and like to to me both those characters just create the vibe that i needed this movie to be pretty clear about how crazy is it that we're an hour into this pod and not mention that willem dafoe is like a crazed Viking jester. Yes! That is wild. 
That's insane. And he's fantastic. And also like ritual master. Yeah. There's a lot going on here. There's a lot going on in this movie. Um, yeah. Okay. Unsung hero. Love that. Um, do we have one more? Um, I think the, it's if just you, what else. If you like this, then you should watch this. I mean, I feel like you've already spoke on. Yeah, I did. Go watch Master stuff. and Commander. I mean, it's so different than the Viking movie, but watch it. It's so good. What else have you been watching, Mitchell? Well, my most recent watch was uh, Inside Lewin Davis. Is, you got any others? Or that's it? Yeah, that's basically it. Yeah. I, I, I watch a bunch of stuff, but I'm, I watched Matchstick Men for the first time last night. Are you familiar with this? Nicolas Cage? No. Uh, like 2003. I have very... 2003, I was 14, and um, I have very, very strong memories of, like, the publicity campaign for this movie, of, like, seeing the trailers everywhere and, like, Nick Cage being everywhere talking about Matchstick Men. And it's crazy you know, you have, how do, bad the movie poster is. Oh my gosh, I know, and that's why I haven't watched that's it in the, years. That's the common thread I've seen with your letterbox lately: is all the movies have terrible movie posters. Terrible, and it's it's just funny to me that there are movies like that from my childhood where I'm like, boy, if if my memory is is the judge here, then this was the most important movie of 2003, <laughs> because like right. this is like I just remember this campaign for whatever reason, and I'd never seen it, and it's really good. It's really Scott. And Nick Cage in like a really good Nick Cage performance, and um, and I'm just constantly impressed by Ridley Scott's range of like goes yeah. from Gladiator one the year dude to is nonstop to oh he's so prolific but but then from Gladiator to like Matchstick Men which is kind of this small scale movie about a con man meeting his daughter right like right it is so I don't I don't I, it would be easy to say it's a lesser work, but it's really, really well done. Yeah. Um, and I, gosh, I'm watching, I've had Blade Runner 2049 on all night. And like that, that's the same guy who made the first Blade Runner. Like, right. Or at least got, man, he's, he's good. That's all I got. Sweet. So you excited uh, for the Obi-Wan show? I didn't even know. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about the trailer months ago and I have no trajectory or awareness of that. And and that's how you know my Twitter algorithm is finely tuned. <laughs> to my interests. The fact that I've seen nothing from that. In my world it's NBA playoffs and what potential nuclear warfare, who knows. Oh gosh. All right, well, I got to get to bed. I got a staff meeting in the morning. No Viking rituals on the horizon for this church. For this religious no. organization. No, it's nice Boring. in that way. Yeah. All right, y'all. Well, in the meantime, follow us on Instagram, and hopefully we can find some of our favorite shots from The Northman. And uh, we also just do fun little stories, announcements, that, that sort of thing. Uh, leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts. And uh, hey, write in. We loved hearing from uh, we loved hearing from Jim. Jim, Jim Dillon. Jim loved Dillon. that. L- so, really yeah. thoughtful email. Love that. I read the whole thing. We'd love to to talk about some some uh, viewer opinions on the pod. So yeah, write us an email. And we'll we'll bring it up. But until uh, next time, good night, y'all. Bye. The Whalen.